It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. This interview with Carolina Moore is extra special because it's A Quilter's Life 200th episode. Although I have interviewed Carolina in the past, I chose her specifically to be interviewed again for this special occasion. This episode is a little different since we have already talked about Carolina's background in her previous interview. So our chat on this episode gives more insight on having a quilting business and helps us realize she is more than her business. I don't know how many of my guests over the last four years have stated that Carolina has helped them get started and they don't know where they'd be without her help. Also, she is one of the people that has supported me and helped me to make a quilter's life successful. And I want to thank you too for listening over these past four years. The encouragement of seeing people around the world enjoying the stories of quilters along with me has meant so much. Thank you. Carolina, thank you so much for joining me on my 200th episode of A Quilter's Life. I have been looking forward to this episode. I'm so excited to be here and what an honor to get to be on your 200th episode. That is such a huge milestone. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I wanted to let people know that you have been interviewed before. So if they want to hear more of your background, they can go to the Carolina Moore episode and listen to that episode. That was a lot of fun to do with you. Yes. It's always fun to chat with you. I was on Facebook the other day. And I came across a post and it said that Audrey Hepburn was also bilingual with Dutch and English. So, of course, I thought of you. And in that article, it said that it gave her a unique accent. I was wondering, do you think with your Dutch and English background, you have a unique accent? That's so funny. So Dutch is my first language, but we moved to the U.S. when I was under a year old. So while we spoke Dutch in the home, I learned English virtually simultaneously because we spoke English, obviously, outside the home living in the U.S. I don't know that I have much of an accent, really, because they were so much at the same time. But there are a few like the long vowel sounds that sometimes like when I'm editing my own video, I can hear it. So the Dutch for yes is ja. So I'll say ja quite a bit, which is very slang. And for some parts of like the US country is like an undesirable, like way to say yes, it's not as like high class or upper crust to say yeah, as it is to say yes. I had a boss who used to tease me about me saying yeah, but I'm not saying yeah, like Y E A H. I'm saying yeah, as in J A the Dutch yes. So I think like that's the biggest way that you would hear like, I guess I suppose an accent is my yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But other than that, I don't think... The funny thing is I can mimic other accents, especially when I'm around them for a while. I do a decent Southern accent. And if you drop me in London for a week, by the end of the week, I'll have a British accent. But I cannot mimic a Dutch accent because I grew up around the Dutch accent speaking English. So Dutch folks speaking English my whole life. And so it just sounds like home to me. I can't create that accent myself. 
Interesting. So are you going to go back and listen to Audrey Hepburn to see if you sound like her? I think I'll have to. I had no idea that she had Dutch roots. That's really fun. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Uh Uh-huh. That was funny. Of course, I thought of you with that. And I mean, being compared to Audrey Hepburn, I'll take that all day long. (laughs) Well, we wanted to catch up on what you've been doing since we had your interview back in February of 2021. So I know you have new patterns out. Oh my gosh, so much has happened since February of 2021. That has been, gosh, it has been a journey. So did we talk right before QuiltCon or right after QuiltCon? Do you remember? It had to been before QuiltCon because I'm sure we recorded before and then it came out. It came out, yeah, in February. So gosh, I mean, taking me back to that time. Let's see, this is 2023, 2022. Okay, so I'm actually thinking 2022. Gosh, has it been two years since we spoke? I was thinking February 2022, but okay, February 2021. Yes, lots of new patterns since then. I started doing patterns in print, which I hadn't done before. I'd been offering PDF patterns, but that leap to in print, anyone who's listening who is a pattern designer likely knows that struggle or that risk of printing patterns because generally, when you're printing a pattern, you're not printing like eight copies. You're printing hundreds or even thousands of them to get like the bulk discount for making so many of the pattern. And while you're getting a, a discount for like the per unit cost, your overall cost goes up much, much higher. So taking that risk of saying, okay, how much money am I going to spend? Am I willing to risk? to see if this works out. Because if I spend hundreds or thousands of dollars and then nobody wants to buy my printed patterns, I don't see that money back. It doesn't just regrow on the trees that it... Because <laughs> it never grew on the trees to begin with. So yeah, I started printed patterns and that actually was really, really successful. You were the first person I heard of doing this, but a printed pattern on a postcard. How did that work? Did you come up with that? Did you see that somewhere else? How are those selling? So I'm definitely not the first. I had seen them in stores before. Generally, the postcard patterns are like a simple quilt pattern. Some of them are table runners, but they generally, the ones I've seen are quilt patterns that it's a simple block. So it might be instructions for making like a star block. And then it tells you make 20 of them, sew them in a four by four columns of five each. And that's how you make your quilt. So generally, they're like a simple block to make the postcard. The concept of the postcard pattern. So I'm going to go back for just a second. I had the idea for this ruler called the box bag template. I worked with a major company hoping to get it produced through them. It didn't fit with their current product offerings. And so they passed on it and I was devastated. But I was encouraged by others to go ahead and try and make it myself. So I was working on that. And then I decided I was going to have a book to go along with this template called the box bag template on bag making. So I was going to make this book And then February 2022, I went to QuiltCon. I had a prototype of the template. The book was a little over half written at that point. And then I ended up leaving QuiltCon a day early because my dad was in the hospital. He'd fallen and broken his hip. And then it turned out he had other health issues. And 10 days later, he passed away. And I was able to be there with him and my family. But you know, grief affects us all differently. And it really took a big toll on me and just the ability to get up every day and do all the things. So... 
this book that I had been working on to go along with the launch of the box bag template, it fell by the wayside. And on top of that, paper prices in 2022, like between 21 and 22, they went sky high. So I like this book, I'd have to charge like 45 or $50 per book to make a profit on the book. And that just doesn't make sense. Like nobody wants to pay $50 for a book. And I definitely didn't want to charge people $50 for a book, even if they were willing to pay it. That just felt really silly to me. But I had this template that I'd already put money out for that was in production that was going to show up at my doorstep. And so I needed pattern support for it, even if the book wasn't going to happen. And that's when the postcard pattern idea came. I thought, well, like a book is way too ambitious. So how about instead I do really quick and simple, easy patterns. And so I had five postcard patterns that I launched and they're all patterns that go with the box bag template. There was a cell phone stand, a bull cozy, a wine bag, a canvas tote, and then a simple basket. So those were the first five postcard patterns that I published. And those came out the same time as the box bag template. And then the box bag template has in it a really simple pattern for a zippered pouch as well. So now I had basically six patterns that people could use with this template, in addition to using it on any existing bag patterns that they have. And that turned out to work really, really, really well. The patterns, because they're just a postcard, the retail price for them is $4. They're really affordable for me to make. And with a traditional quilting pattern, somebody usually has to put those in bags because traditional quilting patterns are generally put in the plastic bags and then hung at the quilt shop. So someone has to take the time to take those quilting patterns and put them in bags. And with a postcard pattern, they don't go in bags. They're done. They're printed. They come to me in a big box. We count them in sets of 50 and that's it. There's no major labor on our end of touching every single pattern and putting it in a bag. And I now have 12 patterns because I've added more. I just sent two more to print this week. So by the time this podcast episode comes out, there'll actually be 14 postcard patterns available. And I've sold, I think, tens of thousands. So not just 10,000, but over 20,000 copies of these different patterns in 18 months. Wow. So it's wild for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Your business has grown so much in the last couple of years. And it's just amazing. It surprises me. And I attribute that to the fabulous community that I have surrounding me. I have a fabulous community of quilters that follow me on different social media, as well as a community of other pattern designers and folks in the industry. So these communities keep me going and bolster me. And I love, I mean, nothing makes me happier than someone sending me a picture of the thing that they made with my template or with one of my patterns or that I inspired them to make like that. That's it. That does it for me. So when people are sending me those pictures and writing the email saying, thank you so much for supporting me or doing this for me. That's what keeps me going. I mean, the money is nice, of course, but it's really about the people. There's a saying like success breeds success. And if you define your success solely by money, it makes it very easy to feel you know, like, oh, I had a bad month. I had a failure of a month. Like this month wasn't good or this year or this week or this launch or whatever, if you're only defining success by dollars. But if you define success by building a community, it's really, really hard to see failure in that. And that goes along with the statement I've heard you say many times, 
is a rising tide raises all ships. And when I hear that statement, of course, I think of you not only because you said it, but I see you do it. Thank you. That's a very generous statement. Thank you. I know, I mean, I've got a background in business as well, but we know it from seeing it and by hanging out in a quilt shop. Many quilters will have a favorite like celebrity that they follow, whose fabric they have to buy, whose patterns that they always know what the new pattern is that's coming out. And even if they have a favorite, that doesn't mean that they only exclusively buy that fabric or they only exclusively buy those patterns. There's still room to buy all the other or many of the other patterns as well. Right. And that's for all of us. It's for me too. I have favorite fabrics or favorite patterns, but it doesn't mean that I'm only ever going to do the things that this designer does. And so knowing that any quilter is going to have five or 10 or 12 different designers that they're consistently supporting and there's room for all of us. So let's, every time we as an industry are able to teach a new quilter or bring a new quilter in or teach someone a new technique. We're growing the whole industry for all of us. And when I say the industry, I don't mean just like the people who are like making money off of the industry. But I mean, I was a quilter for gosh, 20 years before I became like a professional quilter. The more quilters there are, the more room there is for designers to create new patterns, to create new techniques. And the more designers that there are creating new patterns and new techniques, the more people who want to join the industry because they say, oh, I didn't know that I could do this in quilting. Like, I didn't want to sit there sewing squares together all day, but if I can do this, okay, now I want to be a quilter too. And so now there's more customers, which means that we can have more people in the industry, which hopefully brings in more customers. And it's this like spiral of awesome going upwards. That means that there are more opportunities for quilters to find things that they love in quilting and then more opportunities for people to become designers as well. Mm -hmm. And I have been amazed at how much it has grown in the last four years since I've been doing this podcast. I mean, there's always new designers coming in. There's always yeah new ideas and there's always people finding those like older techniques that maybe haven't been seen in a while or maybe haven't been mainstream and that people you know catch on to. Mm -hmm. Now also in the last few years, You've become a celebrity for Art Gallery Fabrics and an ambassador for Baby Lock. What are those positions like? Oh, wow. Well, I get to work with some of the most incredible companies on the planet. And I feel so fortunate to have partnered with these great companies. For Art Gallery Fabrics, I've been working with their fabric since I was pregnant with my 11-year-old. I think even maybe before then. So over a dozen years that I've been working with Art Gallery Fabrics. I love their fabrics. They have a slogan of feel the difference because they truly feel amazing. It almost feels like too good to be cotton, but it is cotton fabric. And to get to partner with them and create a relationship with them over time is amazing. So Pat and Walter Bravo are the owners of Art Gallery Fabrics. It is a family-owned company. And their very first employee that they hired still works for them. That's what kind of company this is. Like their employees are like family. And while they're all the way over in Florida and I'm all the way over here in California, I wish we didn't have that kind of distance. I wish that they were up the street from me so I could go visit. 
but it's not, unfortunately. Yeah, the the family and the company and their goals and the quality that they create. I love all of that. So I love aligning myself with Art Gallery Fabrics. And I was their second ever socialite. So they, they hired a socialite and then me, and then they had a couple after that as well. And most of their socialites went on to become fabric designers. Like Elizabeth Chapel was their third socialite and she became a fabric designer for Art Gallery Fabrics. And while maybe one day I'll design fabric, I don't need to ever design fabric. There are so many beautiful fabrics out there until I feel like I can really add something to the conversation with my fabric. I don't feel like I need to have my fabric. So I may go my entire quilty career, never designing fabric and still feel wildly successful and wildly fortunate for getting to do what I've done. But since designing fabric wasn't something that was really on my radar with our gallery and they were bringing in a whole new crop of socialites, they added a dozen new socialites this year in 2023. They said, well, Caroline, we don't know that you should really be like a socialite anymore because it's just your status is different, right? And I said, well, I don't mind being a socialite still. I, I love it. Like, don't, don't take it away from me. This is too fun. And they said, no, no, we don't want to take it away from you, but we need to figure out a different label for you. So we went back and forth on, I don't know, a handful of different ideas and we landed on celebrity. So I am the Art Gallery Fabrics first ever celebrity, which is such an incredible honor to kind of be crowned with this title from this absolutely incredible company. I want to let people know that celebrity there is S-E-W-L-E-B-R-I-T-Y. Yes, I'm not a Nicole Kidman or a, I don't know, name a famous actress. But yes, it's so celebrity. And then you asked about Baby Lock as well. So Baby Lock, incredible company with fabulous machines. Again, lovely company to work with. I really get to know the people that I'm partnering with at that company and have gotten to connect with the different layers of people within that company as well. And they genuinely care about what their ambassadors have to say and the feedback that they get from their ambassadors, which is fabulous to be valued in a company in an era of influencer culture. I don't just want to be an influencer. You know, I want to be part of the conversation and I definitely get to do that with Baby Lock and that's lovely. Plus their machines are just great quality. They're so much fun to work with. Like they have the Baby Lock Sashiko machine, which is to me really one of the most innovative machines on the market. Although it, it does one thing. It's a basic machine, does one thing. It actually doesn't have a top thread and a bobbin thread. It only has a bobbin thread, but it creates the look of hand stitching on a machine. So it still breaks my brain how incredible this machine is with what it does, but it's so fun to play with. And then have people go, oh my gosh, you hand quilted that? And I go, no, 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 no. I got to cheat on this. Look at the back. Because from the back, it looks like regular stitching, but from the front, the top, it looks like hand stitching. Interesting. And I know that Baby Lock has all kinds of machines that like I haven't even gotten into yet. Like I have a Baby Lock Ballad. And then for my videos, I use a Baby Lock Jubilant, which is a really basic, I don't want to say basic, but it's a great machine for a beginner because it has those beginner bells and whistles that I would want as a beginner, like a needle threader and a cutter and the ability to do basic stitch selections. So I love that it's at a, a reasonable price point for a beginner and it's a great travel machine as well, but I use it in all my videos. But my everyday sewing machine is a gorgeous big Baby Lock Ballad that I also use for free motion quilting. And then I have a Baby Lock Sashiko machine. And then I have a Baby Lock Zest that I covered in rhinestones. 
in at this point is much more famous than I am. I mean, that's a pretty low bar, so it's fine. But yeah, the baby luck zest, that's a fun machine. But they also have to have sergers and overlockers and long arm machines and all kinds of other machines that maybe in the future I'll, I'll play with more. But I'm really enjoying the machines that I get to play with right now. Yeah. And I went ahead and got the Baby Lock Jazz too, because I wanted that large throat. I've heard really great things about that jazz machine. Yep. I have a couple of friends who have it and love it. I don't know how you do everything you do, but your schedule is so busy and you're now speaking and teaching on cruises and conferences. What's all that about? Oh, so... Before the pandemic, I was an absolute certified extrovert. I live in the part of California that stayed really, really locked down during the pandemic. So I stayed home with my kids for 13 months before they were allowed back in school, even part-time. And so that time, I think I found my inner introvert. But I still do love the opportunity to extrovert. January of this year, I went on my very first cruise ever. But it was also a quilting cruise that I got to teach on. It was a Stitch in Heaven cruise. And it was to the Eastern Caribbean. And it was incredible. I got to go to St. Martin was one of the stops. And we went to the Dutch side of the island. There's a French side and a Dutch side. And we went to the Dutch side. So that was really fun to get to speak Dutch with really, I mean, my countrymen. And it was the first time I'd stepped foot on Dutch soil in over a decade. But it was Dutch beach sand with the most beautiful blue water ever. So it was a surreal experience there. Like getting to be on the cruise, there were gosh, a little over, I think, 70 quilters. And they were so much fun and so interactive and so engaged and getting to work with them over the course of the week and making their quilts was just so much fun. I had an absolute blast. I get to go again. So by the time this podcast airs, I will have just come back from my second cruise, which will be Alaska. I'm doing Alaska and my husband's coming along because the August 26th is our 17 year anniversary. And apparently 17 years is cruise. So he's going to come with me on the cruise and we'll enjoy that together. I'll still be spending many, many hours teaching and he's used to that with me. And so he'll get to go you know, hang out by the pool or go explore the ship while I'm working. And then we'll hang out in the evenings and I also get to hang out with the quilters. So that'll be really fun. And then as of the recording of this episode, there still is room for my third cruise, which is happening in spring of 2024. That one is to the Western Caribbean, which includes parts of Mexico. And I'm really excited for that. That should be a fun trip. And that cruise is actually also sponsored by Art Gallery Fabrics. So all of these are Stitch in Heaven cruises. And this one's also sponsored by Art Gallery Fabrics. And my good friend, Becky Jorgensen, is going to be the co-teacher with me on that cruise. So if you're up for a quilting cruise, definitely grab a spot while you still can, because that's going to be so much fun. I've heard such great things about those cruises. There are a couple of different companies that do cruises. So I can't speak to all the companies just to Stitch in Heaven because that's what I have experience with. But what Stitch in Heaven does is they bring in all the machines. So they have all the machines there. You don't need to worry about bringing in your own machine. They also have an arrangement with the cruise line for bringing in things like scissors and irons and rotary cutters, materials that wouldn't usually be allowed on the cruise so that you can have your tools with you. They set up in the conference center. And then there's two teachers. So there's two classes that are being taught during the cruise. And the teachers, we switch rooms. So on the first day, I'll teach in room A and the other teacher will teach in room B or vice versa. And then 
the second day we'll switch. And then usually there's a third day of cruising as well. And on that day, we kind of go back and forth between the rooms to help out people where they're at. So you don't have to switch classrooms to be able to be in the different classrooms to teach the different students. The students get to stay at their seat with their friends. And if they bring a group of friends, they're definitely seated with their group. So they're not spread out throughout the room unless that's what they want. We've had that before where people say, "Mm, you know, I'm here with my family, but I kind of want to meet other people and I'll hang out with my family in the evening. Also fine. Stitch in Heaven has been doing these cruises for, gosh, well over a decade. And they're really good at it. So they have their system down and they know what they're doing to be able to give the students the best time possible. So yeah, you come... Your machine's already all set up for you, ready to go. Your project, if you've ordered the project through them, is already pre-cut. So you're just ready to sew. And then you get to spend the days while we're at sea sewing. And then the days when we're at port, you can either go explore the port or the sewing room is open 24-7. You can come into the sewing room and work on your projects some more or bring your own projects. So you can sew the entire week that we're at sea or you can go explore the ports and then just sew while the ship is moving. It sounds like so much fun. It really is. It's a great way to vacation, for sure. And you just got back from teaching at Missouri Star. I did. So our Calorie Fabrics sent me as a representative to Missouri Star to be able to teach at Missouri Star Academy. Going to Hamilton, Missouri, which is also known as Quilt Town USA, was on my bucket list. I think for most quilters, it's on their bucket list to get to go to Quilt Town USA. The town itself was incredible. The folks at Missouri Star are so sweet. I was so thankful that Art Gallery Fabrics let me represent them there at Missouri Star Academy. The students were so much fun. Like my cheeks hurt from constant smiling for like four days. What Missouri Star has done with the town of Hamilton is really incredible. It's actually the boyhood home of J.C. Penney. So one of the stores is actually named after him. It's called Penney's. But they have so many stores on Main Street. And each of the stores has a specific theme. So there's like the mercantile, which is, I guess, more classic, like calico type prints. There's a store called Florals that's all florals. There's kids and baby. There's holiday. There's widebacks and trims. There's boutiques. There's the machine shed, which is machines and tools. There's pennies, which has like the AccuQuilt fetters in pennies. And the Shannon Cuddle is in pennies. I think a lot of solid fabrics, if I remember right, are in pennies as well. And they have accessories. It's a whole store of like things for bag making. There's also a yarn store and an art store. And there are two that are under construction. And I think one of those is going to be just Christmas. So can you imagine walking into a quilt shop that is just all Christmas fabrics? And that's what they've done to this whole main street of town. So you're just walking down the street popping into every single shop. It's really fun. (laughs) Almost sounds overwhelming. Well, you take it a little bit at a time. And there's a couple great little places to eat there. Gosh, we had Makoko's is one of the places and they have this mac and cheese that you can get with bacon and also with like pulled pork on it. So good. But I highly recommend going down to the bowling alley to eat as well, which sounds ridiculous because I mean, who goes fine dining in the bowling alley, but it was really good food. I don't mean, I wouldn't say fine dining, but it was just great comfort food. I had a turkey sandwich that was on a pretzel bun. So good. And then also while you're in Hamilton, you want to make sure to check out the Missouri Quilt Museum, which it's in the old school house. It's just like a block off of Main Street. And they have the world's largest spool of thread there. So you can get your picture taken with the world's largest spool of thread. 
And then it's three stories of quilt museum. So quilts, antique sewing machines. They have a whole collection of vintage children's sewing machines. So they're basically miniature working sewing machines. It's incredible. A whole room full of them. They're doing a fabulous job of this museum and the collections that they have there. And the staff there is so friendly. So definitely head up the Missouri Quilt Museum. And if you want, ask them about getting a brick because for $100, you can get a brick with your name on it that will then pave the walkways at the Missouri Quilt Museum. So you can have your name forever in Quilt Town USA, which I think is pretty incredible. You must have had such a great time. I had a blast. It was so much fun. And Missouri Star, they did a great job of bringing in all kinds of teachers. So there were some people that I hadn't met before, some that I didn't know, some that I knew just from online and some that I've known for years. So it was like new friends, old friends, all the friends. We had a great time. A group of us stayed in their retreat center, which is actually right on Main Street. So you can just roll out of bed, go down the stairs and they're shopping right there for you. But the whole downstairs of the retreat center has tables set up so that they actually do host sewing retreats in their retreat center. It was just an incredible experience. I really, really hope that they'll invite me back. I'm sure they will. I know you did a great job. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Now, I met you through the app Clubhouse. And you continue to have a weekly meeting there for quilty businesses. And again, you're helping to raise the tide for all of us. And it's wonderful to meet with you weekly on that. Do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. So when Clubhouse first came out, and if you haven't heard of Clubhouse, that's totally okay. It came out and it was like a wild sensation for, I don't know, two months, maybe three. It was the new app that everyone was talking about until there was another new app that everyone was talking about. But it's an audio only app. So it's like podcasting or radio, but everyone can be on there at the same time. And it's just online. So you have to be in the Clubhouse app to listen to what's going on. I could go in there and do just me talking, but we set it up so that anyone who joins in all gets to talk. And we just have an hour long chat. It started out as just, we had a chat that was just quilting. It was like a quilting chat. And it was like three o'clock Pacific time every Wednesday. And that was really fun. But after a little while, there was a lot of business chat that was happening in that. And not everyone wants to hear about you know how the sausage is made. And I totally understand that. So we split it into two chats. We did just a quilting chat at 3. And then we did a business chat right after that at 4. And then the quilting chat kind of dwindled as the app became like out of vogue. So we said, well, we'll retire the quilting chat, but we'll keep the business chat going. So we still meet Wednesdays at 4 o'clock Pacific every week. I'm not always able to make it. Sometimes I'm out of town. But when I'm in town, it's so fun to be able to hop into the chat and connect with everyone, what they're working on. It's a little bit of like a, an unofficial and free mastermind group where people get to share like, I've got questions about this. I don't know how this works. I've got a problem I don't know how to solve. Or people saying, I, I got this done this week. I'm so proud of myself. And all of us getting to say, gosh, we are so proud of you too. Good job. So it's fun having a team in that sense that there's a whole group of us all rooting for each other. Mm-hmm. I think I've said this before each thing I say, but you do so much. And <laughs> <laughs> I love your YouTube videos you put out. And I love the way you start by saying, I'm your favorite sewing and quilting YouTuber. 
Hey there, quilting friends. It's Carolina Moore, your favorite sewing and quilting YouTuber. And today we're going to That's it. talk to Paula from A Quilter's Life. Yes. So having a beginning, a way to start your videos, you get into a routine. And I think it actually came from a chat that we had in that clubhouse group at one point. Because there is, especially among women, somehow we get taught this lesson and I don't know how or where or when exactly that self-promotion is bad and kind of dirty and it's not okay to talk to lift yourself up in that way right you can lift others up and you can push others down and you can push yourself down but you cannot lift yourself up I don't know this idea that self-promotion is icky no there are definitely icky ways to do self-promotion like any self-promotion that you do that's pushing someone else down that's icky for sure that's an easy ick but self-promotion done right, like talking about yourself, like, hey, you know, I'm pretty good. I know what I'm doing. It doesn't have to be ick. And so we were having a conversation similar to that. And from there, I got this idea that I was going to start my YouTube videos with, hey there, it's Carolina Moore, your favorite sewing and quilting YouTuber. And see how long it took for someone to comment, you're not my favorite YouTuber, so-and-so is, right? Because YouTube commenters, while most of my YouTube comments are gorgeous, fabulous, wonderful people who have nothing but lovely things to say because they're quilters and most quilters are just lovely, fabulous people. Every now and then I'll get some pretty brutal comments. And that does happen because the YouTube commenter base in general tends to be brutally honest. And by honest, I mean brutally honest in their opinion. So I knew that at some point, someone was going to say, you're not my favorite sewing quilting YouTuber, so-and-so is, right? Someone was going to push back. And gosh, I've been doing this for probably two years now and I haven't gotten that comment yet. <laughs> so obviously so, you are everyone's favorite well, YouTuber. I figure I've got to be somebody's favorite, right? I mean, my mom watches my YouTube videos. Maybe I'm at least her favorite, right? So if you say something, it becomes true by you saying it. And that's not true for all things. Although some people try to make it true for all things. Like so-and-so said it. So it must be true. Not necessarily. But if you say it out loud enough times with negative things, like if I say out loud enough times, like I'm lazy, I'm garbage. Like if I have that negative self-talk about myself enough, I've made it true just in the way that I talk about myself, right? So shouldn't that work the other way around? If I say great things about myself, if I lift myself up and say positive things, doesn't that also become true? And so maybe in just telling people that I am your favorite sewing quilting YouTuber enough times, maybe I have become some more people's favorite sewing quilting YouTubers because I've given them permission to label me as their favorite. I don't know. But so far, no one's gotten angry enough about it to comment about it and if they start, it'll just be one or two out of, you know, nearly 50,000 subscribers. So you can't be doing too much wrong. It should be okay. <laughs> well, not only do you let them know that, but you give them great content. Oh, thank you. For example, what you put out yesterday, you pulled out your brand new AccuQuilt Go, the large one. Yes. So I just got myself an AccuQuilt Go Big. It's silly that it has taken me this long. I work with AccuQuilt. It's one of the other fabulous companies that I get to work with. I've designed patterns for them. They have a ton of free patterns on their site. 
and some of them were designed by me. Gosh, by the time this podcast goes live, I will be able to say that I have gone to AccuQuilt because at middle of August, I'll be headed out to Omaha to film with them because I have a dye that's coming out with AccuQuilt. Oh, how exciting. So that was really for me the impetus of, okay, I want to try all their machines, especially like with my dye to see how it works with my dye because I've had sample versions of my dye to play with already. And so I want to see how it functions on all the different machines. And so I said, okay, I mean, the go big is an investment. As a designer, I do get a discount with them, but it's still an investment, right? It's not a small amount of money. I think, gosh, it's like $600 if you pay full price for it. So that's a lot of fabric that you could buy for $600. So instead of buying $600 worth of fabric, you're going to be buying a $600 machine. They have so many great discounts and deals. Like this should be a way that you should be able to get it for a discount. But it's still a big chunk of money to spend on a single machine. But I got to unbox it and play with it. And it is just so slick. You just set your die on there and it just sucks it in. It goes... And your fabric is cut. And for someone who has bought a lifelong battle with tendonitis in my wrists. I mean, cranking the handle on an AccuQuilt machine has never been like a big, terrible chore. But if I'm going to be cutting a lot of strips, I can see the amount of strain on my wrists that it's going to save to be able to use the go big. So I love that. But yeah, this machine is super slick. I love it. So with the whole list of things you're doing, you're talking about adding something new now. How's, how's your podcast coming along? So this is coming out in September. So my podcast will be live. It's going live in August. So there will be episodes up and available for folks to listen to. It's called I Love Notions. And this is another thing that I can link back to that clubhouse chat. And maybe I shouldn't call it a mastermind group. I should call it like an instigator group because we <laughs> instigate just nonsense among each other. It was actually Maud. I'll give Maud all the credit slash blame for my podcast. Maud was looking at starting a podcast and she wanted to know like, what kind of podcast would we like to listen to, right? What's a topic out there that hasn't been broached that we think would be interesting? And I thought that was such a fascinating question. And sometimes like an idea just pops in your head, like it's always been there that you didn't even know it was there. And I said, you know what? I would love a podcast about notions. I feel like there's a lot of great podcasts out there. I mean, Quilter's Life included. And I feel like a lot of the guests on podcasts are fabric designers. And that makes sense because fabric designers have one or two fabric lines that are out every single year. So if they've got two fabric lines out a year, which is pretty common, every six months, they're in promotion mode again. They have to go and promote this new line of fabric. Six months later, go and promote this new line of fabric. So... After a couple of years, you get really good at promoting your fabric and really good about talking about yourself and doing things like going on podcasts and those kinds of things. So fabric designers get all the glory. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve any glory. They absolutely do. They make gorgeous fabric. But notion designers, we come out with a notion once. And then how do you promote a notion a second time? Like it's not new. It's the same notion. It's the same notion it was a year ago. How do I promote this again? I can't go out every six months and say... Hey, I'm going to remind you about my... It just feels awkward. But quilters get really connected to the fabric that we use and the designers behind the fabric that we use because we've heard their stories because they're so good at promoting themselves and they've gotten really good at this. 
But who knows the story of their favorite notion? Who knows the person behind that? And so that's what I wanted. I thought it'd be really interesting to tell those stories. And Maud said, that's really cool. But I don't think that's the podcast for me. And I said, well, that's a bummer because I would love to listen to that podcast. Someone needs to create that podcast. Now, Maud did go on to create a podcast. It's called Thread and Therapy. It's fabulous. You can go listen to that one as well. But this idea of I love notions just stuck with me until I finally had to make it happen. It is because I'm not a person to do something every single week at the same time. Like I can drop my kids off at school every single day at the same time. I mean, part of that's also legally required (laughs) to show up every single week with a podcast at the same time with the amount of travel and other things that I do. And sometimes when I start a project, like I'll get sucked into a project and it'll be like a two week project. I just have my head down working on that project and nothing else for two weeks. So having a podcast interrupt that kind of like artistic flow that I get into would drive me crazy. So I said, okay, that has to be a hard no. I can't do a weekly podcast. So I said, okay, I'll do it in seasons. I wanted a 15 episode season. It actually stretched itself to 18 episodes. So it's an 18 episode season, three episodes a week for six weeks. So it'll be a six week season of 18 episodes, three a week. So people get to binge listen to these because we know how much we love to binge listen to our favorite podcasts. Like sometimes I'll intentionally not listen to a podcast for a couple of weeks so that I can sit down and binge listen to several episodes at once. So it gives that like great binge listening of the podcast with six weeks. So a very specific season, they'll stay up longer than that. And then we'll see how season one goes. If people love it, then we'll look at doing it another season, like season two in 2024 and see how that goes. But yeah, it's recording a podcast has been a very different experience for me. Like I've been on several podcasts, including yours. And like right now I'm doing a lot of talking. It's a lot of me talking about me, which is fine. But being on the other side of the microphone where it's me asking questions of the other person and focusing just on them. It's not about me. It's completely about them. It exercises a different part of my brain that I love. It's been really fun. I'm still here. My mind's just racing with so many thoughts of which one do I say? <laughs> You're fine. I, I totally understand what that's like because I've been there. And it's like, oh, but there were like four questions and you kept talking. And but they're like, now I don't know which one to ask. <laughs> Because, okay, hold on. And like, sometimes I'll just have to interrupt them and be like, wait, 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 there's something I have to ask. Did you just say? (laughs) And they'll say, "Mm, yeah. Like, and the other rule that I had for myself is that I couldn't edit it. Like I could record them, but I needed to find someone else to edit them. That would be just another whole level of work that I can't commit to. So the magic piece that fell into place was when a friend of mine said, oh, I've got the perfect guy to edit these for you. So Gabe is my editor. And he's doing a fabulous job. And yeah, that was the missing piece that I needed to be able to say, okay, I can do this. That makes a lot more sense for you because I know how much time I put into editing. I edit my own YouTube videos. So I know how much time that takes me. The beginning of editing my YouTube videos, it took a lot longer than it does now. I'm down to a much more streamlined workflow in the way that I record it so that it makes it so much easier to edit. And just the experience of knowing what I'm doing. So jumping into a new thing that I don't know what I'm doing, that I have to learn what I'm doing, that was... No, it would never happen. And I knew that if I started editing it myself, I would never give that up because then I'd be like, well, I mean, I know what I'm doing. Why would I like pay someone else to do something? So I had to from jump, hire someone to do it. And it's great because I get to pay someone to do something that they're great at. 
it's not a stretch to say he is way better at this than I would be even after years of practice. He has great ideas. He's like, oh, so he said, can you record sounds of different quilting noises so that I could incorporate them into the percussion of the music? So I recorded like the steam of an iron and my machine turning on and a zipper of my zipper pouch opening up and my rotary cutter clicking open and shut, like those kinds of quilting noises. First of all, I would have never had the idea to be able to incorporate those sounds of quilting tools into the music. And even if I had that idea, I would have no idea how to do it. So this is already his wheelhouse and his skill set. I'm so happy to pass that on to him. And then he can just invoice me and I will pay him what he's worth. I am so looking forward to hearing your episodes. That will be fun. Thank you. Wow, this time has gone by so fast. I wasn't sure we'd be able to fill it up, but I still have another question. (laughs) (laughs) Right after I saw the Audrey Hepburn post, I was scrolling and I thought of you and I thought, no, I'm not going to bother you. And then as I scrolled down, the very next post was one that you posted. So then I had to say something about Audrey Hepburn to you. But anyway, that next post was that you and your family got to do something fun this past weekend. Looked like you were out on a boat. And it made me think you juggle so much just with your business. How is it juggling business in personal life? Do you feel like you're handling that? Badly, all the time. So Shonda Rhimes, who is the creator of Grey's Anatomy, I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan and a huge Shonda Rhimes fan. She has a book called The Year of Yes. And it's one of my favorite books. And I have it on audiobook and we'll listen to it at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. The Year of Yes and Big Magic. Those are two of my favorite, just getting my mind right kind of books. So Shonda Rhimes in The Year of Yes talks about how when she's succeeding in one area of her life, she is inevitably failing at another, right? There isn't the ability to divide ourselves in two. We cannot be in two places at once. We cannot be fully present in two places at once. It's just not possible. So when we make the choice to be fully present in one place, we are absent in all the other places. And you have to make a peace with that, right? And strike a bargain with yourself for what's acceptable. And there was a time for a while where I was a workaholic in terms of, you know, my husband would come home because my husband has a traditional job outside the home and he would come home and I'd give him a kiss. And sometimes I'd make dinner, but we were eating out a lot or ordering in a lot. And I was just sitting at my computer like from nine o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night trying to get all the things done, either at my computer or at my sewing machine. And, you know, I would stop to go drop off the kids at school or pick up the kids from school, whatever needed to be done there. But it was more like a going through the motions rather than being part of a family. And the years are so short with my kids. They're now 11 and 14. They'll be 11 and 15 when this airs. So the years are so short. I only have so much time with them. So trying to find those meaningful moments and a lot of the moments that don't mean as much, right? The just sitting around the table having dinner, the, you know, going and doing an escape room together. During the pandemic, there were all those pandemic like bonus dollars that were there to help boost the economy. And so we spent ours boosting the economy by buying a boat. And the boat sits in the driveway unless we take it out to the reservoir. So taking it out to the reservoir. The cool thing about going out to the reservoir is that there's not cell phone service out on the water. So you can't be scrolling Instagram or Facebook 
while you're out on the water. You're just hanging out as a group and chatting and jumping in the water and getting dragged behind the boat and enjoying time with the family. So we're trying to, on the warm months, go out there. I mean, I would love to do it every other week. We're not quite getting to that schedule, but you know, making that time intentional and not dividing my time between scrolling Instagram and seeing, you know, what's going on and what's trending and trying to spend time with my family. That's just time with my family. My older son plays a lot of video games. And so some of his best friends are online and they live up in Oregon. So I have all these air miles from all this travel that I've been doing. So I said, Hey kiddo, how about we spend these air miles on going up to Oregon? So we spent just like three or four days up in Oregon where I hung out in the Airbnb and worked on editing videos, but I was able to get work done hanging out in the Airbnb and he was able to hang out with his friends and connect with them in person. And I hope that for him, that's one of those things that he'll remember years from now of, you know, my mom made my wishes a priority. What he may not realize is also he's a big introvert. So it was an opportunity for me as a mom to put him in a spot where he felt really comfortable doing some extroverting and hanging out with these people that he knows really well online, but in person and and having those in-person connections. So yeah, the finding the ways to be a mom but also be a business owner, constant balance. And so I just try to focus on the wins and understand that there will be some areas where I don't win and that I'm going to try better next time. That's great. To me, it looks like you're doing a great job. Well, I mean, I've got really great kids and that's just luck. I mean, I would love to take credit for how amazing my kids are. I wish I could, but I know that so much of that is like the luck of the draw and genetics, which is also really just another form of luck, right? So I have some really great kids and I'm lucky in that for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks again, Carolina, for making my 200th episode so wonderful. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us? I just want to congratulate you on 200 episodes of that consistent work. It breaks my brain. 200 episodes. That's incredible. I'm so proud of you. It's been so fun getting to know you over these last couple of years and your contribution to the quilting industry. I mean, thank you for all that you do. Oh, thanks. Bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.